Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Millennium Live. Very excited for today's episode. I'm sitting down here with Stuart Phillips, who's the Product Marketing Director of Cybersecurity at Enteros. Stuart, how's it going today? It's going great. Awesome. Good. Happy to hear it. Perfect. So, Stuart, for those of you who may not be familiar with you, um, I'd love for you to just start off by telling me a little bit about yourself, your background, and you know, how you've made your way to Interos. Um, well, I've been uh, working in cybersecurity uh, for about 20 plus years now in various roles, mostly on the federal side or working, um, you know, working with like Lockheed Martin and also uh, working for vendors like working for Cisco and, and uh, Unisys and other uh, security vendors. My background, I have a Bachelor of Computer Science, and I did uh, my Master's uh, MBA when I lived in uh, Singapore. Oh, wow. uh, and so um, I think my most interesting role is I ran a uh, lab for uh, the Air Force. It was a secure lab, and we did uh, write studies on highly degraded satellite networks and hacking of satellite networks and things that are actually very much in the, the news right now. Um, I was uh, been about it in Terrace about a year. I was very very interested in the area of supply chain security. I saw it as an area that was you know going to get a lot more attention, and Interos had by far the best uh, I thought approach, a, a really fresh approach, and something I was really interested in. So um, I managed to get in here, and was quite feel quite lucky. Great, yeah, awesome, very interesting, very very interesting background and experience for sure. Um, so there is a lot of attention right now on the supply chain. I feel like that's all you hear about all the time. So I wanted to ask you, you know, what is the key issue when it comes to security in the supply chain? Well, I mean, there's supply chain attacks and there's supply chain disruption, right? Disruption is the Suez Canal getting closed because of a stuck ship or the port in Shenzhen being shut down because of COVID. And those are you know, very disruptive. And that's actually an area where, you know, Intero spends a significant amount of our time on the procurement side. I work on the cyber side, so I'm looking at more like the attacks that are coming in for the supply chain, like the solar winds type thing, Kaseya, uh, the recent Log4J event and things like that. And then um, the key issue really is that these attacks are new. Uh, they're a new type of attack. And like in any type of uh, attacks that have come out in the past, it's taken a while for the industry to figure out how to deal with these, right? So I, I buy SolarWinds. I install it in my network. It's a network manager. So I connect it to everything in my network, you know, and give it all the passwords and everything because that's how it works. It doesn't work any other way. And then bad actors are able to compromise it and it gets updated, um, which again, that, you know, that's perfectly normal. I always, you know, we always tell people update your software, right? Update your software. So now I've updated it and it's got this bad software on there that's now probing around my network and passing information out to uh, some command and control server on the internet. I, I'm not set up for that. You know, it didn't go through my firewall. I didn't, it doesn't uh, show up in my endpoint protection software, it, uh, you know, antivirus or any of these other tools, it, you know, cause it's expected to be there. The challenge is now it's inside my network. It has access to everything. And I, you know, my traditional tools of dealing with that are really not uh, appropriate. Interesting. That makes a lot of sense. So if we're kind of talking about right now, like where those threats come from. Are there other places where those may be? Yes. Um, there's a lot of threats. Um, 
threats really kind of fall into you know, different categories, right? So you have a compromised organization. So you have a supplier that's like you're, you know, you're a bank and you deal with a credit card company, right? Pretty normal. Mm -hmm. If that credit card company gets compromised, um, you know, you, you're sharing information with them, you have direct connections, you know, all this, you know, that becomes a significant issue. And these suppliers, you know, that are compromised that have, you know, are, are coming into your network, they're not coming in through your firewall, they're coming in through, you know, through a private uh, connection, things like that. You also see the uh, like supply chain, uh, software supply chain. Uh, so like the Log4J incident. So Log4J is a piece of software you know, December 10th, nobody except a bunch of geeks like myself knew about it. December 15th is the biggest security problem in the world. And I think, that, again, this is where we're seeing a lot of the issues here is we really don't, it's very, very difficult to predict where these come from, right? We can see, you know, email security or endpoint security and these types of things. We see sort of recurring things happening all the time. With supply chain, it can be very different uh, every time. And, you know, and a lot of the traditional risk scoring tools and things like that don't really help you. So like, if we talk about like a, a use case, right? Okay, so SolarWinds. SolarWinds, you know, we talk about that a lot. Or Kaseya. I, I use, you know, one of our uh, customer examples, I, I own a grocery store. I use cash registers that I lease from a third party. The cash registers run Windows 7, uh, which is no longer supported by Microsoft. So my, you know, the person I rent the, the cash register from, at least the cash registers from, they contract with this company, Kaseya, which supports obsolete operating systems like Windows 7. Kaseya gets compromised by uh, criminals. It gets pushed into the cash registers. And now all the cash registers pop up with ransomware demand. Well, I'm out of business, right? I am, you know, I am no longer able, if I if I own a grocery store and I can't, you know, people can't use cash registers, if they can't pay for things, I'm effectively out of business. And the, and the challenge here is, you know, I've never heard of Kaseya. I don't have a contract with them. I don't even know who they are. And trying to figure out what happened with this company that buys from this company, which buys from this company, can be very, very challenging because, again, you just don't have relationships with them and they're not responsible to you. So the solution really comes down to three things. First is, you know, mapping your supply chain, figuring out who your suppliers are, what your suppliers, you know, where they're connected. The second is monitoring them, right? So only uh, according to Gartner, about 40% of companies actually monitor even their direct suppliers. So if you're just mailing out a survey every two years, you know, you don't know if somebody's uh, gone bankrupt. You don't know if they've had a cyber breach. You don't know if they've uh, changed ownership, things like that. You know, in your intervals too long. You have to be continually monitoring them. And then you have to have a ability to do some sort of modeling, right? What happens if, you know, all this stuff going on right now, I need to swap out my suppliers. I was using this one supplier and uh, because of, uh, you know, world events, I need to, you know, replace them with somebody else. How do I do that? How do I figure out where they fit in my supply chain? Can I replace them? Is there somebody like them? It doesn't do me any good. I mean, we had, you know, customers who were like, uh, all my call centers are in India. Okay, and that's fine. And they do a great job. And but the plan was if this call center had a problem, we would just go to the call center across the street. Well, the problem is when COVID hit and India essentially shut down, all of a sudden, you know, all of these call centers shut down. And a lot of the um, planning for contingency was, well, you know, there, there was no plan, right? It didn't work because you know, the plan was just to find someone just like them. Well, it didn't, that wasn't going to be possible. 
And so we see a lot of the uh, organizations, you know, being able to say, you know, how do I, you know, how do I look at supply chain security differently? And a lot of it is looking at contingency and, you know, how, how could a, a disruption affect the company? Interesting. Yeah. Some things you just don't know they're going to happen. You can't really plan for them um, as much as you'd like to. And I have really enjoyed hearing about these, you know, kind of broader examples. Are there any examples um, of people that you've worked with any sort of specific cases that really stick out to you in your mind? Yeah, I mean, we had a, a large bank that had uh, concerns around solar winds, right? So they didn't actually use solar winds, but they shared a lot of information with companies that did. And they were very concerned about what could happen. And one of the challenges happened is if you remember, solar winds happened over the holiday. And the traditional meth mechanism is to send surveys to people. So you have 1,900 direct suppliers. You send them an email or you know contact them in some way and say, hey, do you have solar winds? And if you do, what are you, are you planning to patch it or what are you doing? Um, and, uh, the, uh, customer, um, before they had Enteros, they tried that. And the problem was after about a month or six weeks, they'd gotten less than 10% response. So, wow. you know, and again, it's, it's, if you're fighting a fire internally, you, you know, and then people from the outside are sending you, Hey, can you respond to me? It's like, well, I have this fire here, right? You know, I'll, I'll deal with this and then I'll get back to you. So, you know, it's very difficult to address a lot of these things. So, um, Customer was able to, um, you know, again, they brought in Enteros. We, we uh, brought in, imported all their 1,900 direct suppliers. We applied, we have a, about a 400 million ent entity relationship database. So entities would be, you know, legally separate organizations can, that can be mapped and scored separately. Um, and then what we did is we took, uh, we have about 100,000 feeds of information. There's both commercial information, public information, other sources of information that we buy. And we apply that using uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning to the relationship database. So what will happen is, you know, um, most products, you have a list of suppliers, you put it in the, in the tool and it models and it monitors them. And that's all, it, you know, and that's fine. That's what it does. And that's how things traditionally worked. What happened with us is interesting why I really you know, thought it was a real fresh approach is you give us your list of suppliers and then we start building the relationship trees for you. Kind of like, you know, I, you know, I don't know if you ever played with Ancestry or something. It all of a sudden says potential mother, potential, you know. So you, you find all this information and we do it for you automatically using our relationship database. So you're not typing in all this information or having to do a lot of stuff. And then once we build the relationships, we can show you where they're connected and apply all the factors like where, what country are they in? Um, you know, are there geopolitical issues in that country? Therefore, I might want to score that, per, that, that company uh, entity lower for certain risk factors. Are they bankrupt, for example? We do a lot with like supplier onboarding where, you know, companies are saying, you know, I, we want to bring the supplier on. And normally that takes four to six weeks of back and forth emails and surveys and things like that. We can actually go online, gather a lot of information about them in a few minutes and tell you like, have they had a major cyber breach or are they bankrupt or are they located in a country that is not desirable or are they subject to restrictions and sanctions, you know, which are getting very big right now. So anyway, our big bank customer, they um, put about 1900 suppliers in. We were able to identify 54 of them within about an hour. And they were able to, you know, get it, you know, and again, the CEO, uh, the chief security officer, he's, he's got the CEO breathing down his neck saying, hey, what's going on here? 
you can't just go back every day and say, well, we don't know. We're still working on it, right? You have to have an answer. You have to say, with, you know, with high confidence, I believe that these people have solar winds. And we actually, you know, if it's public information, we will show you. And we actually can uh, log the data a bit. So what will happen is if you say, you said this company has solar winds, but when we talk to them, they say they don't. Here's the data reference that's in included in your uh, app, you know, platform. Can you uncover that and tell me what, what you know, where you, how do you know that? And like, you know, in a lot of cases, these were like uh, companies that had posted job postings on like, uh, you know, Indeed or LinkedIn and things like that saying, you know, if I'm advertising for a SolarWinds administrator, chances are I have SolarWinds. So, you know, there's a lot, a lot of this is to take the, you know, really different approach. A lot of the traditional approaches, uh, I'm going to mail you something, you're going to reply. I'm going to do that every once in a while. Hopefully, you know, we don't have a... Um, an issue in that time frame, or hopefully you're not lying to me, or hopefully, you know, we, we uh, you know, I, I do supplier onboarding one day, one way you do it another, and maybe you do it much better than I do, but, you know, I'm just filling in. It's not really my job, so I don't care that much. You know, so there's a lot of challenges here. So we can address quite a few of those things. Very interesting. Yeah. And it sounds like you can do it really efficiently and quickly and thoroughly. So that's great. Mm -hmm. I can see why that would be helpful. Um, and you said you know, you work with CISOs a lot. Do you think that they view supply chain security you know, the same way that they view overall employee and device security? No, I mean, they're starting to, right? I mean, I've been doing this for quite a long time. And I mean, 20 years ago, email security was the responsibility of the person who did the email, right? So you'd buy an antivirus server, hook it up, and we're good to go, right? So, um, you know, the same thing now when you're looking at data loss and being able to track employees, uh, downloading data, if you're looking at, you know, vetting suppliers and, you know, there's a lot of things that, you know, come into this. So traditionally, CISOs only looked at cyber. Uh, we're seeing that financial is a, a bigger factor. You know, and we were dealing, working with a lot of customers on the Log4J issue. And if you had a, you know, supplier that was using Log4J, and they were bankrupt, that was the number one indication that you had to replace the product, right? Because you're never going to get a patch from a company that's bankrupt. And, yeah. and, and then, you know, again, financial risk is another thing. Like SolarWinds, SolarWinds, you know, did suffer a big breach, but they were very financially healthy and well-staffed and well-run. They were able to turn around and fix the problem, get in front of it, be very uh, proactive with their customers, get the patches out, work with them to figure out what was going on. If they'd had significant financial problems, it probably would not have been able to do that, um, or they were not staffed, or they didn't have a CISO and things like that. You see that with like, uh, you know, Colonial Pipeline and other types of things, right, where they did not actually have a chief security officer, they did not have a security plan, they did not really take it seriously. And so that's, again, the organization. I do think that a lot of CISOs are starting to think about supply chain uh, as a threat to the organization, especially since it's a, a threat to the entire company, right? If I can't buy aviation gas, you know, I'm an airline, I'm at that point, I'm just a hotel for angry people, yeah. right? You know, my planes can't take off, I'm out of business, right? It's not a, you know, other security things are really frustrating, but I'm not out of business. Um, you know, so again, I think a lot of this is, um, you know, again, there's the idea of the more aspirational CISO, the CISO that wants to understand the company business. We always talk about how CISOs should be talking uh, strategy, not technology, right? You know, going to your boss and talking about 
how I want to change the way we repudiate digital certificates, right? That's not interesting. If you go to your boss and say, hey, um, you know, I know we want to expand into uh, Africa next year. Uh, I'm looking at a strategy working with this partner and we'll be able to provide a really secure solution. We'll be able to uh, handle our drug trials much better and more safer in a you know more secure way. Again, you get the interest of the boss, right? You know, what do the bosses care about? So I think, again, it's the more aspirational CISO, the CISO that wants to talk strategy, that's really starting to look at supply chain security. And not definitely out there. Those are, and those, those are pretty much the people I talk to. You know, people come to Interos and say, I really do want to have a worldview of where all my suppliers are because I'm worried that we are we have too many of them in the same place, right? Concentration risk, or I worry that uh, they're connected to, you know, a Russian mafia control bank, which would be disappointing, right? And so a lot of companies, uh, suppliers will go out of their way to hide these problems. And, you know, again, the, a better CISO who can uncover them now can prevent problems in the future. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, definitely want to prepare for the worst. Um, and, I think you had touched on this a little bit in your answer there, um, but I want to talk about qualified personnel in organizations as well. Obviously, the great resignation and you know talent acquisition and retention is a really big topic right now, especially in the cybersecurity industry. Um, so I was just wondering, do you believe that there's a shortage of qualified personnel in organizations, um, people who are fluent with supply chain risk mitigation in particular? Well, there's certainly a, a shortage of um, cybersecurity personnel, people with experience, people who have training and things like that. And organizations really should be looking at, you know, like just like baseball teams, they have their own farm team, right? Baseball teams don't just wait for people to wander in off the street, right? And say, oh, you have a 400 batting average. That's great. That's what we're looking for, right? They have their farm teams. They develop talent. They do a lot of things. And we see a lot of companies working with like community colleges, uh, they're starting to offer like cybersecurity degrees. Uh, where I live in Seattle, we have the Everett Community, Community College. They have an industrial control system program. So, and again, companies can, you know, fund those individual support, you know, uh, give them scholarships, help them get up. So, you know, definitely have to sort of build the team. And again, it's also a thing that, if, uh, you know, we're going to touch on it, but if you wanted a more uh, diverse workforce, that's also, you really have to work at it, right? You can't just go out and say, we want to hire a more diverse workforce. Let's compete with everybody else for the same few individuals, right? We, you know, you really need to have your own program to develop them and, and work on that. Um, honestly, though, if I'm a security person, I don't necessarily need to know a lot about supply chain. But what I do need to, I have a view of supply chain, right? I do have to have information about it. And again, that's one thing that Enteros really gives to the chief security officers, that understanding of what the supply chain looks like, who are the suppliers, where they are, things like that. And then working with the supply, uh, the procurement team, right? Working with the compliance team, working with a uh, financial team, working with other organizations, you know, within, within my company uh, to share that information and be able to talk a language that they understand, right? Can I go to the supplier and, you know, the procurement team and say, here's a list of all the suppliers that have high uh, cyber score. You know, I'm concerned about these people. Uh, is there, you know, is there any way we could get rid of them? And honestly, most of the time it really is not, right? Because most procurement people don't really think about getting rid of suppliers unless they're bankrupt or they stop supplying, right? If you're, and one of the recurring themes we get from talking with CISOs is if somebody is a supplier in good standing, it is really, really kind of difficult to get rid of them. 
you know, even when they do turn out to be, you know, controlled by the Medellin cartel, you know, it's like, well, they're really nice people. We had a very nice lunch. And I don't know what the problem is. And we're not going to shut down the factory for two months and have to uh, inform the shareholders. Right. So, um, you know, there's a lot of concern there. So, again, it is the ability to understand a bit about supply chain uh, and some of the issues and then be able to have conversations uh, that are better. And again, we see this a lot in supplier onboarding. Uh, a lot of our customers use Interos for supplier onboarding because it's a centralized resource. They can see cyber, they can see financial, they can see compliance. And you have different groups within the organization that, that have a piece of that pie. And so we work with a lot of customers who like to standardize the approach and have like one report, right? It doesn't make any sense. I'm a cyber person. I write one kind of report. You're the compliance person. You write a totally different one. Uh, you're the chief sustainability officer. Uh, or the chief, you know, the person in charge of ESG, and you, you're concerned about the supplier having issues mm -hmm. uh, in that area with, you know, multiple teams writing different reports and waiting for everybody to get finished and the last, you know, and, and being held up by the slowest person to comply. And in the meantime, you know, hey, the factory's closed. So I guess we're just going to go ahead and start buying from them for now. And then you can fill out your little form later. You know, and then by the time you come back to them, they're like, yeah, no one cares. Well, no one's going to read this. So you might as well just, you know, whatever. So it can be very, very frustrating for the CISOs not have a, a play, a, a voice in this type of conversation. And that's one thing we really work on. Interesting. Yeah, very good insight there. Um, and I was also wondering, you know, we've been talking about, you know, building up these organizations. Um, I was wondering, how do, can organizations build a holistic approach to security, you know, which includes the supply chain? Well, again, I think it, it, it comes into, like I said, very similar to how email evolved, right? Email originally was, uh, you know, check attachments for viruses, and then you start to see a lot more um development around uh you know being able to check for uh, uh executive compromise right you know hey i'm your boss i'm working on a secret project that's why i send it from this email don't tell anybody but i need you to send this fifty thousand dollars to a bank in romania and if you don't you'll probably get fired you know and surprisingly huge number of people go along with that because they're much more worried about getting in trouble with the big boss than they are, you know, making a mistake or getting, you know, sending off some money or something like that. So it's really, it's been really, so a lot of the tools now look for these keywords, they go through the emails and they look for it, but that isn't done by person, right? Nobody, you know, no one sits there and looks at 200,000 emails a day. And I think the tipping point with email was when we, we generally agreed that artificial intelligence was better at reading these emails than a person was, right? I'm, I believe I'm pretty good at this. I could look at 300 emails a day. I bring in these vendors and they're looking at every email, applying the same standards, same reporting, and they're dealing with millions of emails a day. And, you know, and it's just as good or better than what I can do by hand. So the same thing is happening here with supply chain. It's a transition away from paper, um, 90% of the customers we deal with, who we replace like Excel spreadsheets, you know, it's all still being done by hand. So bringing in artificial intelligence, bringing in machine learning, bringing in, you know, a constant approach to monitoring, being able to look at multiple risk factors, again, applying that, um, you know, if you have, uh, 1900 direct suppliers, you might have 15,000 tier two suppliers and 150,000 tier three suppliers. 
you are not going to be able to sit down and map out where 150,000 tier three suppliers are in the world, right? Not in your lifetime and where we can do it in a few hours. So again, we can, you know, using machine learning, machine AI, that's going to be the big tipping point. And we're starting to see that with a lot of like endpoint protection. We're starting to see that with a lot of other things. Supply chain security is still unfortunately very manual. Um, and we're bringing in the uh, fresh approach of, you know, this uh, AI machine learning, automated monitoring, all this. And it is, you know, we believe that that will be the transition. That's where that will become more of a completely holistic approach. And again, one of the biggest problems that we see uh, customers have in their uh, security programs is individuals are very important. You know, the person in the middle is actually very, very important at a lot of times. But if you have people leave, if people, you know, you have challenging getting people trained, you have challenging having people replaced, you can have, you know, I talked to companies, they've had, you know, openings for seven months, right? It's like, look, um, you know, you're not getting any, you know, they're barely just, you know, maintaining what they're doing. They're not getting any better. So by automating a lot of this, maintaining, you know, scale of it, um, it actually, you know, can, you know, dramatically improve the consistent security posture and consistent improvement of the solution. Very, very interesting for sure. Um, and you know, we're about to wrap up here, but I wanna hear about your predictions for the future. Um, just after this conversation, I feel like you have a lot of them and I'm curious. Yeah. Well, I think the interesting thing about supply chain security is that no, there's no general agreement on it. If you go to Gartner or Forrester, there's no uh, quadrant that says supply chain security, right? There's supply chain risk, there's cybersecurity, there's supply procurement. You know, so this is an emerging area. And that a lot of the customers I talk to don't have a good answer, right? They don't have a good uh, solution. Um, you know, one of the things I was very excited about joining Intero, so, you know, I go out to customers potential customers, and no one said, you know, I'm good, or I just bought something, or, you know, we were looked at that last year, but we took care of it. Everybody was like, you know, I have two big issues, ransomware and supply chain. So we're still able, you know, there's still a, a big green field here, and there's a lot of opportunity for our approach to uh, win out. And I think that a lot of the uh, CISOs that have been sort of ignoring supply chain, you know, haven't really looked at it. My main prediction is that they'll be forced to, right? We see a lot of the velocity of things, right? So before, you know, uh, COVID hit, right? COVID changed everything pretty quickly. Um, you know, and a lot of companies had really never planned for this stuff. It's like the longest the U.S.-Canadian border has ever been shut down was like 10 days, and that was after 9-11. So there's no reason to plan for it to be shut down for two years. That's crazy. Why, why, why are you wasting our time? So now these you know, black swan events are common and the velocity of them happening. The US uh, government has issued more sanctions in the last couple of weeks than they issued in like the last 16 years. Wow. So, you know, so my ability as a CISO to respond to these things, I used to have time. I used to be able to think about this stuff or, hey, we'll put it in next quarter's budget or that's something we should probably look at. Maybe we'll hire somebody later next year after we you know, get our new uh, staffing report. You know, now it has to happen very quickly. And I think that that driver is going to change the way a lot of the CISOs look at uh, supply chain and that their responsibility in the area. And so that's my main prediction. Yeah, well, things are changing very rapidly for sure. I can definitely see the, you know, the need for this um, increased security 
Perfect. Sure. I want to hear if you have any final thoughts, but if not, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. Uh, been very much a pleasure. And thank you. It was very, uh, uh, really enjoyed this conversation. And uh, so thank you very much for this opportunity. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to Millennium Live to listen and learn on life and leadership.